Welcome to the Firearm Trainers Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I'm your host, Rob Beckman. We bring you this podcast to support the industry, the Second Amendment, most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Before we get into today's topic, a quick mention to today's sponsor. This episode is brought to you by our friends at the FTA, the Firearm Trainers Association. Head on over to their website at FTA protect.com to learn more about the instructor coverage they offer in pricing. Look for a special 10% off discount code for switching your instructor insurance over to them. I use their insurance and think you will too after you check them out. This episode is also brought to you by Barrel Block. Listen, if you are tuning into this podcast, I assume you've heard of Barrel Block. It's the industry standard for safe dry fire practice and classroom demos with a real firearm. Barrel Block prevents negligent discharges and eliminates training scars. I love using Barrel Block with students because it's safe and puts everyone at ease. When installed, and remember, no tools or disassembly required to use it, everyone in the room or on the firing line can see that the firearm is safe and inert. Plus, given the price, I can't imagine a firearm instructor who wouldn't have one in their classroom gear and one at home for personal dry fire use. Pick yours up today and enjoy a special offer for listeners of this podcast at blocksafety.com and use code instructor20 for a 20% off discount. That's B-L-O-K safety.com. Today we'll be discussing boarding dogmatic instruction with Dave Spaulding. Dave Spaulding was awarded the 2010 Law Enforcement Officer Training of the Year Award at the International Law Enforcement Education and Training Association. He has 36 years of law enforcement and federal security experience. Dave was a founding member of his agency SWAT team and he spent 12 years as its training officer. Today, Dave runs handgun combatives and travels the United States teaching classes to law enforcement and civilians alike. Welcome, Dave. Thank you for having me. How's the, how's the weather up there uh, around your place? It's awesome. It's 63 degrees and sunny, and I was able to sit out on my front porch and watch my landscapers landscape my lawn because I didn't have to do it. <laughs> There you go. That's good. And then this weekend, it's supposed to be freezing again from what I see on the weather forecast. Yeah. Yep. Gotta I've, love the Ohio weather. Yep. I've never, I've never had landscapers before. I've always done all that stuff myself. And I'm now a, a total fan of having somebody else move your mulch and edge your flower beds and do all that stuff. It looked really nice when they're done and you, and you don't, have, don't feel all worn out after doing it. You know, that's just, good. You know, just marvel at the wonderfulness of it all, you know? Mm-hmm. So Dave, the topic we've got today is dogmatic instruction, because many times uh, I've seen it to where instructors think there's one way and one way only to be able to teach a skill or to be able to do something. Can you speak a little bit to what that means from your standpoint? Because I know you're not a fan of the one way fits all kind of me- mentality. Well, let me ask you a question. Walk out in the street in front of your house or your business and just take a look around. Look at the people walking up and down the street. Do they all look the same? Do they have the same length arms? Do they have the same strength of hands? Do they have the same body build or the the same height? Do they have, is everything the same? If people are not the same, then why would the tactics and techniques be identical? That, That makes no sense biologically physiologically, biomechanically, or just commonly. That makes no sense whatsoever that everything would be the same. It's how do I, I want to say this in a way that you'll, your, your listeners will understand. Um, yeah, I know it's stupid. 
You heard that from Dave Spalding first there, instructors. It's not smart to do it one way for everybody because it just doesn't fit. Why would you? I used to, when I was uh, doing mostly law enforcement experience and I'd see instructors teaching in the basic police academy, you would see them walking up and down the line, kicking the guy in the heel a little bit or tweaking his elbow down or moving his hand around. So everybody looked exactly the same on the line. And then their shooting went in the dumper, which makes no sense whatsoever. You can't put some guy with a, with a reasonably, how do I get, <laughs> you can't put a guy that is overfed into an extreme weaver. It's, it's not going to work. They, they can't get their body that way or, or a large breasted female. You can't get them into that position. You have to let them kind of tweak it and mold it and make it their own. You, you just can't be dogmatic. You got to let folks kind of, you know, make it work for their body style, their, their body style, their, their, their size of hand, their grip strength and, and all of those things. And, and to try to make it the same for everybody is, is ridiculous. You, you can't do it. You know, if you consider shooting an athletic event, you know, cause it's, it's basically a physiological and biomechanical exercise, just like running the hurdles or throwing a baseball or, or whatever the case may be in those events, you don't have that athlete do it exactly the same way. You give him some guidelines, you give him some goals. Look, you've got to plant the pole. You've got to bend the pole. You have to put yourself up and over the bar, and then you have to land in the foam pit. Other than that, how they get it done as far as how they look does not matter. So when we're talking about, you know, teaching someone to save their own life with a handgun, you got to give them certain guidelines, certain parameters. And those may be like, you need to be able to draw from your concealed location and get a hit on target in two seconds. You need to clear that stoppage in two seconds. You need to put maybe four rounds on their chest cavity size target in two seconds. You notice there's a two second theme going on here, mm -hmm. but you need to do those things where they happen to have their arms bent or where their torso happens to be, or whether they carried appendix or, or three o'clock or in an FBI on their hip or how that stuff is done is irrelevant. As long as they execute the skill in a uh, a speed and accuracy level that will help them save their own life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I agree 100% with you. Um, you know, there's only a couple, you know, ones that, uh, you know, even when it comes to safety rules that, you know, you can't break, but when it comes to all the other ones, it's gotta be the way that is comfortable, comfortable for them, you know, based on size, even based on gun. I mean, if somebody's uh, shooting a uh, small micro pistol compared to a full-size pistol compared to a revolver. They're going to be doing things differently, and there can't be one way that fits all in all situations. Well, you know, look at it this way. You know, everybody wants to think about teaching shooting, standing upright in your perfect stance or body position or whatever you want to call it. Forget that. Put them in a single kneeling position, a double kneeling position. Put them in a supine position. Put them in a rollover prone position. And then tell them to do it identically. It's not going to happen. 
So you know what? If they're in a supine position or if they're in a right, a right side rollover prone position and you let them kind of tweak it so their body will fit, then what difference does it make if you let them tweak it when they're standing upright? Exactly. And when it comes to, you know, a violent encounter, they're not going to be able to sit there and tweak everything. They've got to learn how, how to do it, um, you know, the way that they can do it at that point from the biomechanical standpoint. Well, you know, we, we, I think oftentimes we lose track of what the mission is in an effort to get people to follow our doctrine. You know, my way is the best way. Well, no, your way is just a way. It's not the way. And listen, the, it, it's just like driving to the airport. There's a number of ways to get there. You can take the scenic route. You can take the most direct route. You can take the route around town. They'll all get you there. You just have to take the route that works best for you. And gunfighting is no different. You've got to do what maximizes your abilities, your body style, your hand strength. And whether or not you're doing an extreme locked out isosceles, you're doing an extreme weaver and your elbows are kind of bent. The fact of the matter is, is that when you're in a real gunfight, you're probably not going to get your optimum stance, your optimum body position. You may not even get both hands on the gun. You may be doing it one-handed. So since we realize that nothing will be optimal in your gunfight, then why do we get so dogmatic when it comes to those foundational? I, first of all, I hate the word fundamental because fundamental is like, um, uh, is like you know, really basic. These are essentials. They're essential skills. So if it doesn't matter how we perform those essential skills when we're in other than our perfect body position, then why does it always have to be the same when we're in that perfect body position? It doesn't make any sense. It's like fighting M&P versus Glock versus SIG 320 versus 1911. You have no idea how much I do not care what gun you have. And you know what? If you can put that gun between your butt cheeks and get that two-second concealed draw and get the hits on target, I don't care. Because it's not about the instructor. It's about the student. Mm -hmm. And that, that's where, you know, from an instructor standpoint, we want the student to achieve the best results they're able to. And that, that, that can about the instructor. Time. Do what? When did it become about the instructor? When did we suddenly have instructors that are such huge celebrities that it's about what they have to say versus the results of the student? Mm -hmm. In my generation, and I'm an old guy, I admit it, I'm an old guy, right up front, I'm not even going to act like I'm young. In my generation, it was not about the instructor, it was about the student. It was about the student performance objectives, about the student getting the task done at the end. It was never about the instructor and, and their presence and how they looked and how they talked. And, you know, now we've got all these sycophants and fanboys. Oh, he's the greatest instructor. Oh, he's awesome. You shouldn't be talking about the instructor at the end of the class. You should be talking about the content of the class and what you learn. I'll have instructor. I'll have students come to me. Oh yeah. He was just the greatest instructor in the world. And I said, dude, you just missed the point. What did it do for you? What do you, you come away with? Telling me what it did for you. You should be telling me what you learned. You should be telling me how this instructor enhanced your skills. You shouldn't be telling me about what kind of pants he was wearing. 
or what kind of shoes he had on or what kind of gun he had. How much bling he had on the gun. You shouldn't even have noticed that. You should have noticed how he enhanced your skill sets. But I don't have real strong feelings about this. So I'm just, obviously I'm just saying, <laughs> well, you know, and, and Rob, I'm an old guy, you know, I'm 64 years old. I came from a different generation and I am the first to tell you that I'm at the end of this. It is a new generation of instructors who are now taking over and it's their turn. I admit that it's their term. It's their time to take control of this and do whatever it is they're going to do with it. But good God, instructors out there of the new generation, don't make it about you. Make it about your student. Because in the end, as a combative firearms instructor, you should be helping them save their life or the lives of those they care about. You shouldn't be worrying about whether they're a member of your fan club when they leave the class, you should be enhancing their abilities, not your profile. Amen. I don't have, I don't have real strong feelings about that. I'm just saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. D- definitely. Uh, but very good points because uh, that's what was one of the driving points behind this podcast uh, about trying to make our students the best we can. And that comes from going along and giving quality information to the instructors. Right. Where, where do you think um, instructors that might not know? more than one way they came through their instructor class they came through you know what whatever doctrine they came through but they don't know a lot of other things you've got suggestions on how they can expand their knowledge if they've only got one way it's because they've only been to one instructor or one institution period that's Mm -hmm. it they and i see that all the time oh instructor xyz is awesome and i go to everything he says and he does he tells me not to go to anybody else because i have the answer here you know what? That's a cult. Mm-hmm. That's a friggin' cult. That's not a firearms instructor company or an instructor. He's a guru or a cult. And you know what? You're being brainwashed. Stop it. You know, the next thing he's going to have you drinking is poison Kool-Aid. Just quit. Just quit. The well-rounded trainer goes to a number of instructors because you know what? I- I'm going to be honest with you a minute, Rob. I am to the point in my life and in my training career that I'm probably not going to learn anything new. I'm always got people tell me, well, this is the newest, latest, greatest way. Yeah. In 1983, it's only new because you're just now hearing about it, but it's not new in the scheme of firearms instruction. So, you know, the fact of the matter is, is that if you got an instructor that only knows one way, it's because it's the only way they've heard. You know, it's the guy that goes to the two-day NRA instructor class and hangs up his shingle. You know what he is? He's dangerous Mm -hmm. because he hasn't had anything else. The well-rounded instructor, number one, will have some practical experience. Now, it doesn't have to be law enforcement or the military, but they have maybe put themselves in a situation where they faced a little danger. Um, A case in point would be, Uh, I met a female instructor who got into this because she had been the victim of a serious sexual assault. And she sat there and she told me about what happened to her and with just tears in her eyes. Then she talked about how she overcame it, how she got her mind straight, how she got the never again attitude. And then she started her journey to save her own life and the people she cared about. And then she started the, the journey to be an instructor. And I'm like, wow, I want to hear what she's got to say. I want to, I want to hear her lessons. 
because you know what? Her experience is probably going to affect how she teaches that, but that's good. It affects her teaching in a good way. I want to know about that. You know, not everybody's a Delta Force operator. Some people are just someone who got through an absolutely horrible experience. They rose to the occasion. They saved their own life. And I want to know about that. Well, and they've got the mental uh, part that they can share with with us too, which is uh, always great to see and hear because let's put it this way. Very low chance that we'll actually have to pull a trigger on somebody, but it's a very high chance we've got to have the mental fortitude to be able to get through a situation and understand when we should and when we shouldn't be, be able to use our firearms in self-defense. You know, there I, I, I have had any number of females in my class who have faced some sort of an assault or a crime, and I just love it when they have that, I'm going to cut your head off never again attitude. Because you know what? You don't need to be violated. You know, that there's no reason to stand that, you know, you should be able to go pump the gas at a gas station without somebody accosting you. Um, you know, and I'm saying that as a former law enforcement officer, cops can't be everywhere. You've got to be an active participant in your own rescue. And what the good combative firearms instructor does is they give you the skill sets that you can use to be an active participant in your own rescue or to be an active participant in your family or your loved one's rescue. It's not about them raising their profile and I am famous and awesome. No, you're not. You suck because if it's anything other than about your student, then you suck, period. But I don't have real strong feelings about this in any way, shape or form. Just mm-hmm. well, obviously that's because you don't have a Twitter account or anything else like that. Then you want all the followers in the world to keep you know up what? the Kardashians, which I'm sure you, you know keep what? up with. Right, Dave. My class is pretty much fill up. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I'm, I'm, and I say that I am blessed and, and I want to thank all of those people out there that come to my classes, but you know, I mean, um, I don't do many of these podcast and when you went, I had a guy with a very, very famous radio show contacted me here just recently and asked me to be on a show. And I told him no, because I think he's a goof. So, you know, I, I won't do that. I, I'll only do this for stuff where I think they're, they're serious people, you know, putting across a serious message, but this again, and I'm, I'm emphasizing it again, that this is about the student. It's not about the instructor's dogma. It's not about their method. They haven't got the ultimate way. And, and another thing, another little pet peeve of me, if you've got an instructor that won't shoot in front of the class, there's something wrong there. Because adult learning theory tells you that you got to explain it, you got to demonstrate it, and then they have to practice it. And if they can't see it done correctly, how are they supposed to do that? Well, Dave, what happens if I'm afraid to fail in front of my students? Well, then you just turn around and look at them and say, well, that's how you don't do it. Watch this. I'm going to do it correctly. I, I flub. Uh, it, I, we all do. I'm in my mid-60s. How good do you think I am? I flub a demo in every class I do, and then I turn right around, and then I do it the right way. The problem we have with many instructors is that they try to do it fast when they should try to do it sure so that they do it on the first try. Because, you know, when you think about manipulations, they shouldn't be fast. They should be sure. They should be done in a way that you sh- you're sure you're going to get them on the first time through. Because you know what? I would rather have a two-second draw every time than a one-and-a-half-second draw every so often. 
Mm -hmm. And we've lost that message because everybody gets out the electronic timer. And that is one of the bad bleed overs of competition in the combat. And and don't get into the whole thing. If you want to compete, do it. I don't care. Compete, have fun. But understand the difference between competition and combat. The fastest way to get something done in a fight is on the first try, not having to do it again. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go on my soapbox a little bit because, you know, as firearms instructors, we're real cavalier about like reloads and stoppage clearances. Look at this, man. I've got a two second reload. I got a two second stoppage of clearance. Now let's put this in perspective. You're in a gunfight. You're launching bullets back and forth at each other. And you suddenly have to stop to do a two second manipulation. You're in trouble. You are in trouble. I don't care how fast your reload or your tap rack is. You're two seconds behind your adversary. Get your head out of your butt. This is a terrible thing to happen in a gunfight. Do we act like these skills are just, hey, no big deal? Yeah, they, they are a big deal. If your gun does anything other than shoot in a gunfight, well, first of all, you're in a gunfight. You're in a bad situation already. But if your gun's doing anything but bat, 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 you're in trouble. You're probably going to lose. If you're, if you're not hitting what you're shooting at because you haven't practiced or, or you haven't practiced your grip and all the other stuff, you're in a bad position too. Now, now let's add to it some tactical manipulation that looks great on Instagram but takes three or four seconds to get done. Three or four second pause in a gunfight, you're dead. Average time for a gunfight is less than three seconds, according to Tom Givens. Well, you know, the old three rounds, three yards, three seconds. You know, I, mm-hmm. I, I hate it because figures lie and liars figure. So I, I hate to put stats on anything, but I think you're pretty sure it's not going to last a long time. You know, it's, it's going to be relatively close. It's going to be relatively fast. And there's going to be a few rounds expended. Uh, beyond that, I don't want to put any, 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 uh, any bets on anything because the one thing I will tell you, well, I'll give you two things and you can take this to the bank as Dave Spalding's um, advice to you. Number one, Murphy's alive and well, and he sits on your shoulder. Number two, it will go wrong. Period. Your gunfight will not be what you imagine it to be. Cause I, I have students all the time that, visualize what this is going to look like. And it's not, it's not going to look anything like that. It's going to be a mess. They're not going to want to make a movie out of your gunfight because it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be, it's going to be a, 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 it's going to be a a mess. I guess a mess is the best word to say, you know, it's, it's just, it's going to be, it's going to be like two lines in football. Offense and defense slamming together. That's that's what it's going to look like. It's not going to be pretty. It's going to be pure chaos. It's not going to be 21 feet, seven yards on the range with a target in a perfectly standing still in front of you, and you get the somebody to go click to, to go yeah. beep when, when to start drawing and start shooting everything else like that. Yeah, I'm working on a new drill right now. Uh, in my classes, drills mean something. They're not just something the instructor's good at or he likes to do or is, is popular. Every one of my drills reinforce a skill or a set of skills that have been shown over time to be used in gunfights. And I'll tell you exactly why I do a particular drill. And the new one I'm working on, it's almost like pinball because you fire, you move across, you fire again, you move back, you fire again. And, you know, people don't like doing it because 
movement requires effort. And you know what? I, you know, I'm, I'm 60 years old and I'm a little overweight and, and I can't move as fast as the 25-year-old. Well, you know what? The 25-year-old being able to move snappy versus a 60-year-old being sluggish is going to be a factor in a gunfight. That's just the way it is. But what you do is you don't give up hope. You do the best you can. That You do the best you can with what you've got. But you know what? You're going to move, and it's going to have to be with purpose. The idea that you're just going to move in a gunfight just arbitrarily is stupid because you're going to have environment. You're going to have, you know, you're going to have things in the way. There could be icy. There's going to be all kinds of things that are going to get in the way of your movement that don't on the square range. So the one thing I'm going to tell you is your fight's not going to be what you want it to be. It's not going to look anything like you visualize it, and it's going to go wrong. But I don't have real strong feelings about that one way or the other. So yeah, well, that, that's one thing. When uh, you know, I talk to instructors, talk to students, I reinforce those points directly because if you go out and you watch any kind of violent encounters, you know, videotapes and things like that from dash cams and different things like that, uh, they never go the way you would hope they would go. You, they don't never go the way the police or whoever's in in that encounter. Uh, thinks they would go, you know, somebody goes right when they should have gone left, you know, left was an open door, but right. They went into, you know, smashed into the wall or, or did, did something unexpected like that. And that's where you've got to be able and that's to another concern. I have right now, the trend is to watch a bunch of videos and then come up with statistics or figures and don't misunderstand. I've got nothing against the people who are doing that. You know, I've watched this many videos and I've seen this, this, and this great, no problem, but don't buy into it. Because your gunfight's not going to follow those statistics. Right. You know what? Every, right now, the latest thing is um, don't worry about carrying a reload because there's a bunch of rounds fired and everybody splits. Until your gunfight requires you to reload. There are essential skills that are absolutely necessary. And you need to be really good at those. And bringing us back to our original topic is that those essential skills, you can't be dogmatic in your instruction or execution. They need to be done in such a way that they maximize the student's ability to prevail. Period. Yeah, you want students to prevail or else uh, it's, no. it's, it's not going to be good. There's no other option. Forget survive. Survive means mm -hmm. to remain in existence. That's what you do if you're on the Titanic. You got to prevail. You got to be victorious. You go home the same way, both physically and mentally, as you did when you left. Nothing else will do. Wow, that's uh, a lot for our listeners to uh, digest, Dave. But that was uh, very insightful on dogmatic instruction and why we want to make sure that we help our students in whatever way it takes in order for them to achieve those results and prevail. You know, I. I a lot of people will say, well, no, Dave Spaulding's old and he's out of touch, but Dave Spaulding's been doing this a long time. And Dave Spaulding has personally face-to-face -face interviewed hundreds of people who have been in armed conflict. And Dave Spaulding has also faced some of his own experiences. And I have put all of that into my lessons. What we do at Handgun Combatives is we don't teach shooting. We don't teach specific thing. At Handgun Combatives, we teach skills or skill sets that have been shown over time to be used in a gunfight. 
I can't tell you how you will apply these skill sets. I can't tell you how you will adapt these skill sets. But what I can tell you is that we teach you skill sets that you will apply and adapt to a gunfight because the person that will win a gunfight doesn't have the tightest groups or the fastest draw or the quickest reload. It's the person that can read the situation for what it truly is the fastest, adapt accordingly, and apply the skills that will prevail in the conflict. Great, great information, Dave. If people wanted to find more information about you and your uh, classes, how could they find more information out about you? www.handguncombatives, all one word, dot com. But I will tell you, and I, and I w- only want to tell you this because I, I think it's right to be honest, is that my 2019 schedule is filling up fast. It's selling out. Mm-hmm. So if people are interested in getting into a class, by all means, please do so quickly. As a matter of fact, we're, we're almost to the point in 2019, I'm going to post the 2020 schedule because there's just not much left in 2019. And I'm sure once you post 2020, that'll fill up uh, quickly too, probably Already within a couple have- months already have people asking us about the 2020 schedule, when it's going to go up, where it's going to be and all that kind of stuff. And, and I'm, and I'm an old man. I don't hide that. I'm getting tired of airports. I'm getting tired of hotels. So I'm winding it down. You know, I'm not doing 30, 35 classes a year. I'm going to do 20 this year. Next year, I'm going to do 14 to 15 in 2021. I bet it'll even be less than that, but, uh, I'm going to, I'm, I'm winding it down. So if if you're, if you're interested in seeing what I got to say from my mouth, then, then please don't wait because it's not going to be a whole lot longer. What are some of the types of classes that you have? I mean, you obviously do the handgun combatives, but so on your website, you do several other types of classes too. Handgun combatives was the original three day class. I seldom do that anymore because people want weekend classes. That was one of the biggest revelations to me when I started doing armed citizens because doing cops, you did five and you know, five and four and three day classes through the week. Cause they're getting paid to be there, you mm-hmm. know? So they wanted weekend classes. So I had to kind of bust it up, but you know, I do an essential pistol class, which is a one dayer, And that's mostly wrapped around the package that I called the grip, that grip is grip. It's trigger and recoil control. It's one package. We'd spend a lot of time doing that. And then we kind of move on to, you know, holster skills and a few things like that. Combative pistol is how I teach the foundational skills, the essentials. And I teach them differently than a lot of other people because I teach them what I consider to be physiologically or biomechanically efficient. Let me ask you a question before we break, because I know we're getting to the end. What is the single most important thing you can do in a gunfight? Besides winning? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a real foundation. When I tell you, you're going to go, Oh man, what is it? Get the gun between you and them until you do that. All the rest of this stuff is eyewash, isn't it? Yeah. You gotta get exactly. the gun out of the receptacle, whatever that receptacle may be, or that ready position. And you got to get it between you and them. Then all the rest of this stuff starts, right? Mm-hmm. Sometimes easier said than done, but you've got to get that gun between you and them. And then you got to go to work. So those essential skills are critical, but then I do skill sets that I have seen time and time again in my own personal research, like kinetic combat pistol is movement, but it's not just movement. You know, everybody says in a gunfight move where, well, you just stand there vibrate. What do you mean? Move. What's that mean? Well, movement is done with purpose. 
But not only is it done with purpose, we got to tell you how to move, but we also got to tell you how to plant and shoot quickly. So that's all kinetic, forward, rearward, laterally, diagonally. It's all about movement, planning, shooting. And then we move on to adaptive pistol, where we do, uh, some people would call it distance shooting. I see five yards and 25 yards to be the same thing. So we, talk, we, t- we, we tell you how to deal with shooting quickly at that distance. But we do the use of cover. Everybody says, take cover. How do you take cover in a gunfight? You're going to stop right in the middle of your gunfight and look around and see where it is? If you don't know where it is before the fight starts, you're not going to find it. So we talk about the use of cover. We talk about unconventional shooting positions because maybe your gunfight started as a fist fight. Now you're landing on your back. So in adaptive, we teach you to adapt, how to change as necessary. Reduce light pistol is basically a lot of the same skills, except it's in an inconsistent light environment. Look, Rob, it's not about being dark. You can get used to dark. You can get used to light. It's inconsistent light. It's looking down the alley, and here's the security light where it's well lit, but over behind this dumpster is a shadow, and that's where the guy's standing. How do you, how do you adjust to that? Well, we talk about that. My advanced covert pistol used to just be, it used to be called concealed pistol, but that wasn't sexy enough. <laughs> Everybody thought it was a CCW class. So advanced covert pistol is mostly about garment removal. You know what? People suck at garment removal, but they take it for granted. And especially now all of a sudden you're moving and your garment is moving due to inertia. We talk about how to deal with those skill sets. I've got no problem with appendix carry, though appendix carry is not abdominal carry. You know, abdominal carry and appendix carry aren't the same thing. No problem. We talk about all of them. You know what? You want to come to my class with a SERPA holster? You can. But I'm going to make you modify that holster a little bit so I know you're going to use it safely. I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to do. You know, if people want to know, then come to my class before you steal my idea. Okay? But um, everything's, everything is a skill set or a set of skills. And if you know how to run your gun, you can take any of my skills. There's no level one, level two, level three. Look at the course description, say, I think this is going to best serve me. Sign up for that class. Well, good. Uh, you're definitely on my list, short list of trainers that I want to get to see uh, in my uh, training career and everything else like that. And no, 2019 is pretty full right now. Well, you're, and, you're in uh, Cincinnati. If I can get 2020, um, I'll definitely get up there. Yes, I'm down you're, in Cincinnati. You're in Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw a gauntlet at you. Okay. I'm doing a one-day essential pistol clap May 11th. You're my guest if you choose to do so. I would love to do that, Dave, but I've already looked and I am uh, booked Ah, that weekend. (laughs) I'm already going to the racetrack or, yeah, okay. All right. No, uh, I've got Boy Scouts that weekend, so I'm I'm booked up. That's a good excuse then. Okay. Okay, That's a good excuse. I I, I split my time between doing uh, a lot of scouting stuff and a lot of uh, of shooting stuff. Okay. You ready for this? Yes. Trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, triple, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. Very good. Very good. And the uh, Miami uh, Council just is celebrating their 100th anniversary this year uh, up there in uh, Dayton also. I was in the Miami Council. Mm-hmm. We're down in Danbeard, small world. All, all the way through Cub Scouts, Weeblows into Boy Scouts before I, you know, before I decided I was too cool for Boy Scouts. You know how that goes when you get into high school. So, Been there, done that. Yeah. Well, thanks, Dave. Well, that about wraps things up for today. Uh, we've had a heck of a show today. I uh, hope everybody's enjoyed it. 
and we got a few important requests before we sign off today. First, visit our sponsor over at Firearm Trainers Association at ftaprotect.com and check out their instructor insurance. Being a responsible instructor means having insurance coverage. Tell their instructors about this podcast. Tell them what you've learned. Invite them to go along and listen to the podcast also. If you like the podcast, subscribe to iTunes, your Google Player, or wherever you listen to the podcast at. If you have any questions, feedback, input, ideas for future episodes, email me at ftp at concealedcarry.com or leave us a rating on, on iTunes. If you put your email address in or send me one, I will respond back to you uh, with an answer on whatever your question is. Remember, we bring you this podcast to support the industry of the Second Amendment and most importantly, every firearm instructor in America that dedicates time and energy into making gun owners more knowledgeable. Stay safe and give your students the best training by making yourself the best trainer.